I'm Diane Burnett, and this is Dealing with Doctors, Episode 5, Healthcare Failure. In this episode, we examine things that can go wrong in healthcare and what you can do to avoid them. This podcast is for entertainment and education purposes only. This podcast will not provide medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you're treating. Nothing in this podcast establishes a patient-physician relationship in any capacity. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be currently experiencing. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to this podcast. With time and with stresses that, that happen for a variety of reasons that we'll talk about, the healthcare system doesn't work as well as it should. Welcome to Dealing with Doctors, where we help you get to know the people behind the white coats. We want you to understand the healthcare industry so you can navigate your journey to your optimum health. Join us as we talk to physicians, nurses, administrators, and other representatives from the healthcare industry. I'm Diane Burnett, and I will be representing us non-medical people. I'll be here to ask all the questions you've always wanted to ask, but maybe never had the chance. And I'm Dr. Chetland Crossnow. I'm a family medicine physician, and I'm here to answer those questions as best I can. We want you to be educated, confident, and empowered in your dealing, dealing with, with doctors. doctors. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Dealing with Doctors. This is episode five. I am Diane Burnett. And I'm Dr. Chetlin Crossnow. And we are excited to have all of you continue to join us as we help you in your dealing with doctors so that you feel more empowered when it comes to your interactions in your healthcare. And so, Dr. Crosnow, what are we chatting about today? Well, today we have sort of a negative title, I'm afraid. It's, okay. it's uh, called Healthcare Failure. Healthcare Failure, yes. I would yeah. say that's slightly negative. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to, you can't really deal with problems until you evaluate them, right? You have to, you have to think about what problems are if you're going to correct them. So we're going to talk about uh, sometimes today when healthcare doesn't go as the way it should. Right. Um, you, one of the groups of people that we're trying to reach out to in this a series is people who do have some negative background, maybe negative experiences with healthcare. And uh, so we're going to talk about that some today. Right. And I definitely feel like we live in an age where it's really easy to know um, the people's bad experiences and negative yes. outcomes um, because we live in a world of social media yes. where people are quick to do a post and um, tell the whole world about their bad experience. And so I'm sure as a doctor, sometimes that can feel a little bit frustrating because you probably can't rebuttal. Yeah, we can't really say, yeah, but that patient did such and such. Right, that, right. That's, again, privacy issues. I think that some of that is true in every industry, but I think healthcare is kind of uniquely difficult sometimes because it is people's lives. It is right. people's health that we're talking about. And so when things don't go well, uh, that really is a bad thing. Well, and I, I think I've already learned from our past four episodes that no one person is alike, right? So it's like right. you can't just, it's not a blanket solution for everybody. And so sometimes that can just make people feel like they're having a bad experience or, right. you know, failed by the system, I guess. Exactly. So I don't know, do you ever know of anybody who's had a bad experience or you ever had yeah. one yourself? I mean, definitely not with Dr. Brinker, you know, uh -huh. not with Dr. Brinker, but I've actually, um, yeah, my mom, um, a couple of years ago was in the emergency room and it was definitely not a great experience. I had the nurse shut the curtain in my face and tell me to trust them that he was the professional. Needless to say, like seven people ended up having to hold her down while they sedated her because yeah, they would not listen. And so it was definitely not a good so, experience. Sometimes things like that happened. And, yes. you know, even Dr. Brinker back in episode three, he was talking about, it wasn't exactly a negative experience, but just sort of a somewhat frustrating with the, uh, when his wife had his, her back surgery. So right, right. 
So, so what do I mean by healthcare failure? You know, when we use the word failure in regular life, we usually mean it's just completely gone. It's yeah. bad, right? The bank right. failed. It's dead. Right. Uh, you fail a class. You have, it's you don't get any credit for it. Right? Right. right. It's not really the way we use the term in medicine. When we talk about heart failure or kidney failure or liver right. failure, um, what we're talking about there is the processes that happen as those organs are not really able to keep up. You know, they're they're not working as well as they need to for normal bodily function. So, and the reason that we talk about that is because we want to keep them from failing completely, right? right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we want to, to stop it at a stage three or whatever right. failure and, and maybe improve it or at least keep it from advancing. Um, and I think that's a good analogy for what happens in our healthcare system because, you know, with time and with stresses that, that happen for a variety of reasons that we'll talk about, um, uh, the healthcare system doesn't work as well as it should. Right. And then we have something that happened like COVID. Right. Where everything was magnified. I felt like it did not matter if you turned on the news, if you did scroll your social media, it was everywhere about healthcare was failing all of us. It was a problem. And, and it kind of did. It was almost like a healthcare failure exacerbation. I mean, things that wouldn't usually happen happened. Uh, I, I remember hearing about several cases in Texas where, uh, somebody went to the emergency room with uh, gallbladder disease. This is something that usually, you know, is taken care of by routinely, uh, right. but they couldn't find people. Uh, or they couldn't find a hospital to accept. Oh. They couldn't find a surgeon to do, but because the hospitals were all full. Right. And, and then a few of those people died, oh, you know, gosh. of something as routine or as manageable these days as uh, you know, a gallbladder disease. So, so that's a that's a symptom of a healthcare system that's not doing well. Now I, I don't think we're there now. You know we've kind of recovered some from that, but but I want us to think about that or organ failure maybe as an analogy for healthcare <laughs> failure. And what can we learn from that? Maybe someday some academic will pick that up and like define some levels of healthcare failure for us or something. But, right, right. So um, tell us a little bit then. What what's a great way for us to kind of as a normal human being, non-medical person, what is a good way for us to kind of understand why those failures happen? We're going to do what we did last week, and we're going to talk about a case. Ooh, okay. Yep, uh, another case. And, you know, last week we talked about Paul. Uh, this week we're going to talk about Pauline. Ooh, must be a sister. Yeah, well, I think more like his mother, <laughs> okay, looks, gotcha. based on his, the age. But so, so let's talk about uh, a case. Here we go. Uh, Pauline is an 84-year-old female who's presenting to your clinic so you're going to be the doctor today. Oh, okay. But you, our listeners, y'all are the doctors. Dr. Burnett, that has a good ring mm-hmm. to it. Okay. Uh, he's pres- presenting to your clinic today as a new patient, and her chief complaint is dizziness. Uh, she's accompanied by her husband and her daughter. Uh, she reports she's had dizziness worsening for the past couple of months. As an aside here, let me say, as healthcare professionals, when we hear the word dizziness, a lot of times we kind of wince. And it's not because that's not a valid complaint. It is frequently. It's The problem is that dizziness is very vague. It means several different things. It means different things to different people. Right. So right. Uh, we need to get, get some better definition on that. Okay. So this dizziness, she describes it as lightheadedness. It comes in spells and only lasts for a short time, you know, seconds to maybe a minute. And Almost always happens when she stands up. Uh, it has been bad enough that in the la- that she's actually fallen several times. Uh, she hasn't really hurt herself, and she hasn't lost consciousness. Uh, she says that when she falls, she really just sort of collapses onto the floor. Oh, Pauline! Yeah, that sounds 
like fun. Yeah. So she's kind of embarrassed to tell you that twice she fell in the bathroom while getting up off the toilet, which another aside, that happens a lot. Uh, I've had you, it happen. That's <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> uh it's an autonomic reflex and it's real common. Uh, the first time this happened was about six months ago. I'm sorry, six weeks ago. Uh, she fell to the floor. She called her husband who came and helped her. And then they called their daughter. Uh, they were concerned enough about her that they went ahead and went to the emergency room for evaluation. Um, they went, they were evaluated by the triage nurse and they waited and, and waited, waited probably and yeah. waited a little longer. So they waited about six hours. Pauline's daughter then went and asked how much longer it was likely to be. They were told probably several more hours. And so they left. Can you just leave the ER? Yeah, you can just leave. Okay. That's not necessarily wise, right? I should say. Especially, I guess, if you're dizzy and falling. and Yes, but but there's no there's no uh, legal reason you can't just. Okay. Um, if you leave, interesting enough, if you leave before you're seen at all, that's called left without treatment. Okay. L-W-O-T. Uh, if you have already been seen and evaluated somewhat and you leave, that's called leaving against medical advice. Don't you have to sign a form? Yeah, usually. If you get to that far, you're probably going to be billed. Yeah, gotcha. So th- that's an issue. And then frequently, if you leave with, against medical advice, your insurance is not going to pay for that. Ooh. So just people should be aware of that. That's a good note. So anyway, she continued to have problems. Her ep- symptoms continued to get worse. She was having more dizzy spells, fell some more. Since the ER hadn't worked about four weeks ago, Pauline and her husband went to a local walk-in clinic. There, they only had to wait about two hours before seeing the doctor. Uh, Unfortunately, that doctor was kind of irritated because they had forgotten to bring her medications or a list. And so they felt like they couldn't help very much. And uh, they ended up just telling her to drink more water and recommend that she see a PCP. So how important would it be in that case for Pauline to take her medications? Well, to to bring it for the doctor. Very. That's what we're going to get to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so what you ask her, well, did you go see your doctor? And she says, no, my doctor retired about six months ago. Oh, Pauline. Uh, yeah. She reports that she got a letter with a list of other doctors she could see. Uh, she tried to make some appointments with several of those. One told them they weren't taking any new patients. Another told them they weren't taking new Medicare patients. And then a couple of them never called her back. And she says she just finally gave up. And as an 84 year old, Pauline needs a doctor. Yeah, she does. Yeah. So then you ask her about her medical history. Uh, she has a history of diabetes, hypertension, and high cholesterol. She sees an, a couple of other doctors, an endocrinologist and a cardiologist. And she, remind our listeners, so endocrinology uh, is like diabetes. Probably endocrinology for her. is for diabetes, and cardiology is just for heart, heart issues. Okay. So she's she, obviously got some issues going on. She has on. some issues. She had a stress test with her cardiologist a couple of years ago, which was normal. That's good to know. Uh, she reports that her diabetes has been well controlled with diet and a medication. So at this point, you asked to see her medications. She did bring them this time because oh, good, of the good job, mistake Pauline. last time. Yep. She dumps out about 10 bottles from a bag, and you begin to see what the problem is. Uh, Pauline's taking multiple blood pressure medications. Uh, some of them are in the same class. She's taking two what we call ACE inhibitors and one ARB. That doesn't matter what that means, but that's kind of like taking three of the same kind of medicine. Okay. Uh, it's too much. And she's taking two diuretics. Those are the medicines that make you urinate more. And they're used for blood pressure and for swelling. Uh, and usually you shouldn't be on two. Or if you are, it has you have to be very careful with that. You look at the names on the bottles and you see some of them were written by her old PCP. Some of them were written by her endocrinologist. Some of them were given to her by her cardiologist. And on further question, you see, she says that she had gone to see her cardiologist a few months ago. 
They added a medicine for her heart and one for swelling. And uh, then it was a few weeks later, their dizzy spells started. Okay. So you've probably got this figured out at this point. Yes, there's a yeah. correlation there. Yeah. So you adjust her medications. You go over what she should be taking. You take her off a couple of those things. You send her home and follow up in a few weeks, and she's gotten a lot better. So it has wow. a good outcome. Yeah. But that just seems like a lot. Yeah. So what all, let's talk about the things that went wrong here. Okay. Yes. So what do you think? Well, one, I just feel like um, there's a lack of communication there maybe. Yeah. Like I feel like there was no, they weren't really maybe looking on, looking to what she was currently on. They just kept giving her more medicine to probably appease whatever she came with at that, that time. frequently the case. Now, any of those doctors should have known if they look at her list that they shouldn't add more to that or at least- Well, but Pauline kept forgetting her medicine. She didn't bring her list and- <laughs> A lot of times people tend to think that there there's just kind of a master list that right. you know they come in and and we all have access to each other's records and unfortunately that's just not true. Right. Um right. I, I know you know we're getting better. Uh, I hope that in my career someday we'll be at the point where everybody pretty much can see everything. Right. But it has it's not there yet. Well, and that's is really important because listening to Pauline, I mean those obviously react to each other and could cause especially an 84-year-old female could cause some issue. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. This is not an unusual type of situation, by the way. Right. I mean, not this particular problem, but I hear stories like this at, at least every week. I mean, of situations where people, they weren't getting good at answers. Most of them honestly probably don't work, turn out as well as this one. I mean, yeah. sometimes they have more serious problems. Sometimes we never exactly figure out what the problem is, but um, yeah, I think that definitely you're right. Lack of communication is an issue here. Well, Both between Pauline and her providers and between the providers having been able to communicate with each other. Right. And I think it's also important, I think, as a patient, then when you are dealing with those doctors, I think there's a couple of takeaways from this that's beneficial. And one being it's probably important that you know what medications you're on. Yes. I know like when I was talking about my situation with my mom a few years ago, there's actually I went in and put all those medications in her profile on her Apple phone mm-hmm. because I was like, hey, we need to know what these are. And so I think it's probably important also if you're Pauline's daughter or her spouse that's taken her to these doctor's appointments that you're probably educated right on yes. what all Pauline is on. Yeah, it's it's difficult to do a lot of times. It's hard to stay on top of this because especially right. as people go to multiple doctors. I mean, she's only got three doctors, which only, right? that's, or, you know, it, Rare she, for an she needs year old. a few more. She should have <laughs> at least an eye doctor. It's real easy for, you know, some things to be added. And then uh, I can't tell you how many times I look at somebody's list and then I ask them about some other medicines. And like, they say, oh, yeah, I'm also taking that. Right. They, it's easy to forget about things that are not pills, things that are like, um, you know, injectables, which sometimes are very important. Right. That insulin, you need to, you know, yep. if you're on yep. insulin, then that's yep. important. Well, and then just like your vitamins, right? And your supplements and things it's, that you take It's really as well. a good idea to include those as well. Uh, yes. Gotcha. Okay. So what else, how else was Pauline failed in this situation? Is well, there anything else as a doctor you, like is a red flag to you? Well, let's talk about the ER situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that wait. Yeah, so she waited six hours. She probably would have waited, I don't know, a lot longer. Right. Um, and this is for somebody who had, I mean, this this would be sort of in the middle of triage. I mean, it's not, a, you know, an absolute emergency. But on the other hand, it's somebody that probably does need to be seen. So um, let me ask, in that case, did she wait that long? Because that staff really probably didn't 
think she was that in emergency that she was okay or she was probably just, there was too much stuff going on. Gotcha. I mean, I, I think that, you know, one thing we have to look at, because I, I got to tell you, the ER waits, at least in Lubbock, and I'm pretty sure it's probably like that anywhere, everywhere. You know, w- during the middle of COVID, it got to several days. Yeah. Um, there were people literally waiting in hallways, right? Well, yeah. Now, I should say it was several days. A lot of times those were people, they were there for several days to be admitted. Oh, gotcha. Because yeah. there was no, but, yeah. but it got to many, many hours before being seen. Um, it's, it's better now. Uh, I think a 12 hour wait would probably be somewhat unusual now. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, these, these long waits, they don't happen because the ER staff is back there, you know, playing pool or something. <laughs> I, they, they happen because there's so many people that need to be seen and there's so, it's so important to do it right. There have unfortunately nationally been cases where people died in the waiting rooms, you right. know, it's so triage of course is the process when you go into the emergency room uh then you're seen usually by a triage nurse who g- gives you a a, a level like a, on, on how severe your problem right. is if you go in and you're you know your arm is chopped off then you go to the top of the list if you look like you're having a heart attack you go to the top of the list but if you go in you've got the sniffles you go to the bottom of the list it's not a first come first serve thing so that's triage, but people who do triage are humans too. They make mistakes. Uh, sometimes they don't recognize when something more serious is going on. And so that sometimes bad things can happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, it sounds like it. So that ER wait, that's a, that's one of the things I think is a sign of healthcare system failure. I don't think we should look at anybody and say, it was your fault that this happened. It's not the nurse. It's not, it's right. the problem is the system is just overloaded. So that was one problem. Uh, they went to the walk-in clinic, walk-in right? Walk-in clinic too. So the walk-in clinic, I feel like that may have felt her a little bit. I think you're right. I, I know the doctor was frustrated because they didn't have a list, but there are ways to get the list. Right. Um, they, sometimes you can call the um, pharmacy. Pharmacy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Or even in that case, you know, of course, again, I'm, I'm thinking about Lubbock where there we probably just send them home and tell them to go get the list and come back. Come sometimes, back, right? You know? Um, or could have maybe even sent the daughter. Yeah, I don't know if the yes. daughter, but like, hey, run home, greater list, come right back or yeah, something. Without that, in a patient that's falling like this, I think there's a decent chance they might should have gotten uh, some labs on her. I think that doctor was frustrated, probably in a hurry. Right. And you know, we know that they did wait two hours. So in a walk-in clinic, I know in our walk-in clinic, we try to see each provider needs to see about four or five patients an hour. You have a patient like this come in and that patient needs 30 or 45 minutes of your attention. Right. And it really, you should take the time, but apparently this doctor didn't. Right. Well, and you don't know what had happened. I mean, no, you don't, you know, you don't know. And again, I, I don't want to say that was totally this person's fault. We have to think of that. It is some frequently the system. Right. So, right. and I think that's probably a frustration of patients is that, you know, I have waited two hours and mm-hmm. I see you and you come in and you're frustrated with me after I just waited two hours yeah, and right, I should be frustrated right. with you. Um, I don't want to feel that frustration. I want to feel cared for. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, especially like Pauline, this has been going on. She had that bad taste in her mouth already for the ER visit. Mm-hmm. And then you come in frustrated, like, well, you don't have your medicines. There's not much I can do. Yeah. I uh, could see uh, that definitely frustrating Pauline and her whole family. Yeah. And then of course they told her to follow up with a PCP. Right. And then there was a whole problem there. She couldn't get one. Yeah, she couldn't get one. And Mm -hmm. especially, you know, a list that there are supposed to be ones that, hey, we retired, but don't worry. These people will gladly take 
over your care and then she couldn't get an appointment with me. And I'm afraid that that's sometimes what happens. Right. Uh, I think that, um, you know, that's, that's not unusual that there's some people who aren't taking any new patients. Some people aren't taking Medicare patients. That's a, that could be a whole episode, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah that's, yeah. that's a whole issue. So right what there, should but, Pauline do then in this situation? Just continue well, to fortunately search? she, yes, fortunately she did finally get in with us. Although it looks, you know, I, I had said that it was about a, a month ago that she had right. been to the walk-in clinic. So it was still a while till she got in. So yes, getting finding somebody who took some time to listen is ultimately what's going to help her. So there were several things there that uh, that I think were signs of the system failure. It's not just um, some a certain person's fault. It's not just that it's it's that the whole system is under stress. Right. And so I think it's also then important when we're teaching or we're trying to help our listeners figure out how to deal with doctors and feel empowered. In this situation, you know, we've kind of touched on that, you know, maybe one of the things we can do to help feel empowered in those interactions is be prepared. Would you say yeah. in, in our mm-hmm. visiting with our doctors, like we go in with our, we could even have a write out kind of the history of the things that happened, maybe log those dates or whatever. And then like, obviously for Pauline, having those medications there, that's important. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you feel like as patients would help us feel better empowered so that if we were in this situation or. Well, you know. Learning to use communication right, is good. Right. You know, we've talked some in the past, and I don't know if it would have helped here, but certainly if somebody already has a PCP and and then being able to reach out via the um, the portals, uh, right. the, the 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 patient uh, portals, the patient online portals. Yeah. Yes, I, I know I've found that uh, to be really helpful in communicating with my patients. So that's something that they could do. And I'm afraid the problem here is that a lot of times 85-year-old or 84-year-old um, people don't really want to use those portals. They don't, and, no. uh And I can understand that, but then they're stuck with using the telephone, which is not as efficient or as uh, reliable as the portal. So then should Pauline's daughter step in a little more? Like, would that be or Well, if, sound, if I think she is. Okay. Uh, I mean, yes, she's going to have to. I mean, right. So, yeah, I guess the question is, what, what can we really do about this? You know, some of this needs to be solved on a system level. I right. mean, absolutely. They're, they're, and we don't really get to get into that because we can't really affect it in our podcast. But, <laughs> but you know, to, on a systems level of, of how much resources we're giving to healthcare and how those resources are allocated. allocated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's part of it. I, th- I think part of it is as healthcare professionals, we, you know, doctors, nurses need to sort of recommit to really trying to make sure things like this don't happen and, right. and uh, make sure that when, a, when somebody's floundering a little bit, that they get that extra bit of help. Yeah. And probably just remember the why, right? Like, yeah, remember yeah. the why, like, you know, I'm sure Pauline doesn't want to be waiting six hours because no. she doesn't feel well. And so just when you walk in to f- make Pauline feel like she's valid and her concerns or her family and that, you know, that she's got a partner in her figuring out what exactly is going on. Yeah. Yeah. So this then is, I, I wrote down, I mean, you were asking kind of what can patients do? Yeah, I wrote down a yeah. couple of things. One of them, I put lifestyle change. I, of course, as oh, a primary yeah. care doctor, I put that on everything, right? right. And because yeah. um, because that's the first step of, of good health is taking care of yourself. Obviously, the best way to not have a bad interaction with healthcare is to not, not really have to go. So what are some examples of little <laughs> but, lifestyle changes that you might suggest? Is that like no smoking uh, or stop yes, smoking? Yes, absolutely. No smoking. Um Getting good exercise, getting uh, appropriate diet, getting appropriate sleep, 
right? Uh, decreased alcohol consumption, all those Less kinds McDonald's, of things. Less all McDonald's, that. yeah, right. I mean, right. Taking care of yourself is ultimately going to help the most. Now, that doesn't get around the fact that even if you do everything right, right. there's still going to be those some things, things that happen. happen. Yeah, yeah, it, it just yeah. is the way it is. Uh, so then I, the other thing I put, you know, education about conditions, right. better, you know, what's going on with your own body. The, you know, I, many times, unfortunately I go into the room and people have no idea why they're taking medicine, you know, why they had this surgery. Right. And, you know, I think if you're gonna have a surgery, you'd know what it was for. So but that goes back to the question I think I mentioned last is just asking the why so yep. that you, you, you know, you know exactly what you're dealing with and kind of you, cause like you said, it's a partnership. Like I, we can rely on the doctor to give me all the diagnosis, but it's up to you as well to make sure you're doing your part. Make sure as you a understand patient. what's going on. Right. Yes, absolutely. And then, yeah. Another thing I put was utilization of lo- the proper locations of care. You know, we, we stepped through all the lo- or not all the locations, but several locations with Pauline emergency room, uh, walk-in clinic and the doctor's office. It's important to learn how to use those different resources, Right. And so that's actually what our next uh, episode is going to be about is, oh, fun. is uh, wh- where you go for what kinds of problems. So, and that could have probably helped Pauline in this case as it, well. It probably could have really what, what it would have helped the most is, is if at the beginning she could have gotten in with a PCP, maybe, right. maybe a few more phone calls being a little bit more stubborn might have helped her a little bit. Right. Right. All right. Well, this is definitely, I think been a topic that has been one that we needed to discuss yeah. is just healthcare failure. So talking about the, the failures of healthcare right. when it happens, how it happens, where the blame lies. Which I, as I've said several times, I think that the blame lies in the system. It's right. it's a it's a systemic problem. It's not any individual's problem. Right. And then what do we do about it? How do we take care of it? How do we uh, get the best care for ourselves and our families? Right, because that's really what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode five as we discussed a little bit of healthcare failure. Um, next, I think Dr. Crossno, you mentioned we're going to talk a little bit about locations of locations care. Locations of care, and we're going to play a game. Ooh, I love games. Yeah. So c- welcome or come back for episode six as we dig into a little bit more of locations of care and we play the game to figure it all out. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you.